Any problems? No, we don't have problems, not at all. Maybe I'll share with you some of mine if you don't have any. All of us have, a, I, I call them speed bumps, but sometimes they're big speed bumps. Sometimes they're valleys and challenges and say, wow, I don't need any more of these. But even though we struggle with those things, sometimes they're self-induced problems because of unwise preparation or actions on our part. Sometimes it's just because we live in a sin-cursed world. And I've had some people say to me for years, why is this always happening to me? What have I done? I said, well, you happen to live in a sin-cursed world, and maybe nothing particular that you've done, but we live in an imperfect world. But though we live in an imperfect world, we have a perfect God, a perfect Savior. And we need to put our trust in him. There's a wonderful electronic sign in a church not far from here, and it is really a nice sign. It's impressive. And I read it something yesterday. I'm not sure it was on there today. It says, keep the commandments. They will save you. Is that correct? It's not keeping the commandments that will save you. It's Jesus who will save you. And I wish they would have had that on there. Do keep this in mind. Just because a person keeps the commandments does not mean they're going to get to heaven. Indeed, we're supposed to keep God's commandments. <clears throat> and there, there are certainly more than just ten of the Old Testament. But there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the, unto the Father but by me. So it's not by works that we get to heaven. We come to Jesus Christ by faith, turn from our sin, put our trust in him. And my hope and desire is that you have come to Christ and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to open up for service and prayer, and then Larry's going to lead us in some hymns. Sing out, please, and rejoice in our wonderful Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, privilege that we have to gather together, the freedoms we have, a lot of problems and troubles in this world, but Lord, you're there, and you're in, on the throne, and we thank you, Lord, that we can put our confidence in you. In an uncertain world, we serve a certain God, and we pray that you would just Encourage us today as we sing hymns, as we hear the preaching, as we fellowship. May we lift up uh, our voices before you. May it be a sweet-smelling uh, sacrifice, uh, a sweet smell in your nostrils, Lord, as we use that expression, uh, that you be pleased with us. We would truly glorify you, save us from just hearing another message or just being in church, but Lord, we want to exalt your wonderful name. You're so good to us. You help us through the, the trials of life. You're always there with us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Larry, you come, please. For our first song, I ask the priest to stand as we turn to number 38. Blessed be the name. Name of Jesus, not the commandments. <laughs> As Pastor was just saying. Blessed be the name.
You may be seated as you turn to number 145. Father planned it all. Next song, I say to number 112. I mean, 148. God leads us along. 
for our last song. Has it please stand again as he turned to number 244. What a friend we have in Jesus. seated and the children are dismissed. That last hymn that we sang was extra special to me when our children were very young. Um, we'd have devotional time before we put them to bed, um, said goodnight to them, whatever, gave them hugs and kisses. I sang, For God So Loved the World, and I also sang that song, because I knew that somewhere down the line, they're likely to have trials, and I wanted them to remember. So just about every night, I sang that last hymn. And uh, we know our wonderful Lord helps us through the trials, and not just small children need to hear that message, but we do as well. Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to... You guessed it, Second Thess First Thessalonians, all right? First Thessalonians, and we're in First Thessalonians chapter 3. I will be reading, uh, actually I'm going to start in verse 9, gives a little more of the context here. Remember the Apostle Paul has been one who's instrumental in starting this church in Thessalonica. The persecution was so severe, so fierce against him that he had to suddenly leave. 
now, though he'd like to be back with them, he has a great ambition, desire to be back with them. Meanwhile, he writes this letter trying to encourage them in their faith. And they, of course, uh, are staying true to the Lord. Doesn't mean, mean that they're perfect. No church in this earth is perfect. But they had a great testimony. And when the Apostle Paul heard from Timothy, who was able to go back, uh, Timothy came back with a very, very good report. Uh, we're going to be in a section which I've entitled Right Kind of Praying, the section that we'll be looking at most specifically in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 is sometimes what commentators call a prayer wish, maybe not a technical prayer, but indeed as the Apostle Paul is a man of prayer, he wants to make certain that these believers are heading in the right direction. So we have this in this particular small letter written to them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to center attention upon that subject of how do we pray correctly, how we pray the right way. So let me read verse chapter 3, beginning in verse, I'll begin actually just back a little bit in verse 9. So you follow along as I read or listen carefully. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Heavenly Father, we give you praise for your precious word, your perfect word. And we thank you, dear God, for the admonitions in it. Thank you, Lord, for the principles, the promises. And we pray, dear God, that you, by your wonderful Holy Spirit, might minister to our hearts today. Encourage someone here who's discouraged. May you motivate somebody who's maybe uh, slacked off in their prayer. And we do pray that you give us wisdom to do your will. In this matter, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week I was talking about how we need to be encouraging one another, and the message was on, I entitled the message, Encouraging an Endangered Species. Uh, I'm not sure anybody really knew exactly where I was headed with that, but... Um, my wife handed me a card said, oh, I've got this from somebody who come to the church, and she had written this out before. You even preached the message. And I read the card, and I thought, this is great. This is a keeper card. I mean, God gave me an encouragement via this other person before I even preached that message. Say, now, that means that you have no excuse because I preached the message 
Now, you need to give me an encouragement card. I'm just joking about that, obviously. But it was a great blessing to receive a card from somebody who was praying for us and very supportive. And it just, it just lifted my day. She didn't know that the last few weeks um, prior to the time I preached that message, my wife and I were, go were going through a valley, okay? And not unusual, but it was a pretty deep valley where God answered some of our prayers in that regard, and we're thankful. But it's interesting God's timing. Isn't it? It's amazing. It's wonderful. We have a great God. So we keep on praying, uh, praying for me. Pray that I will bring messages that will be encouragement. When it comes to the subject of praying, if there ever was more of a need for Christians to pray, it is now. Would you agree with me? The world's in great turmoil. I saw some startling news that um, tens of thousands of people, you've seen this, have been recently killed an earthquake in Turkey. I, I, I think it's 30,000, maybe more than that. Uh, it just keeps coming back and it's very frightening. So you have that issue. You have the ongoing Ukrainian war. Many nations are fighting each other. Then in the United States, boy, do we never need to pray for the United States of America. Evil is like a tsunami sweeping across. Every part of our culture is like, oh no, oh no. It's like, you know, it is. It's like coming all across. We need to pray for our nation. Don't forget to do that. Families are torn apart. Heartache is going right and left because of wrong actions oftentimes of people. Churches are hurting. We alluded to this last week. So believers need to be people of prayer. Now, uh, probably if you were asked the average American, do they believe in prayer? Statistics are out and they say, yeah, the average person does believe in prayer, but not all understand how to pray. And we're talking about praying. We're not just saying prayer changes things. I know I've seen that prayer changes things. Well, it's God who we pray to that changes things. Keep this in mind. And we need to pray to the right God. So there are people who believe in prayer, but don't necessarily pray the right way. And then there are some who pray, but are not consistent in their prayer life. And some maybe just don't pray correctly at all. Now, we talk about this subject, uh, about prayer. I was thinking about how an analogy about, using an analogy about cars, automobiles. Uh, I'm assuming that most of you women can relate to this. Um, I'm assuming that the men are gonna be related to this, but you've been in a car which uh, rides very smoothly and uh, it's so quiet. I've been in some cars sometime that I wasn't sure whether the engine was on or not. Now, I have been in a few cars, not that I own one, I've been in a few cars that when you come to a stoplight, stop sign, it shuts off. And you step on the gas and it starts up again. Now that's obviously modern technology and so on, but you know what it's like to be riding a car where the engine is riding very smoothly, right? Not rough. Now, um, there are some cars that they entered runs, but, you know, it's need for a tune-up. I have an older Nissan Altima. We have 
over 270,000 miles on this car. It's the, you know, it's just, it's kind of like the cruise of oil that just never gives up. And, uh, but I, I got it when I had 130-some thousand miles on it, drove it for 100,000 miles, and it was starting to run rough. And I better get this checked out. And the mechanic said, uh, I think you need some spark plugs, because it wasn't running too And he had quite a time getting them out. He says, when's the last time you changed them? Well, I rode it for over 100,000 miles. Well, that was a little bit of an overkill there. He had a really tough time about getting that. But he got it tuned up, and it runs smoothly. And then there are cars that I call the mosquito killers. Have you ever been behind a car where there's blue smoke that's billing out the tailpipe? You know what we're talking about. That car needs an engine job. And if you know a little about engines, it needs what? Probably needs some new rings, right? You understand rings and pistons uh, that work with pistons. So I'm using this as an illustration. There are some people whose prayer life, not totally about perfect, but it's running smoothly. They're consistent, they're in fellowship with the Lord, and they're doing their best to, to, to be, stay in tune with the Lord. Then there's, there are Christians who have a prayer life, but it's kind of like misfiring. They pray, they're sincere, but it's not really a smooth prayer life. It needs some tuning up. And then I'm going to assume that there are some believers, genuine believers, who have a prayer life that though you don't see blue smoke blowing out, <laughs> their prayer life, they need a major overhaul because maybe they're just in only an emergency mode and pray just to be able to say they pray. I start that out by this illustration because perhaps you are in one of those three categories. And if your, your prayer life is tuned up, keep it going, keep it going. And don't wait 100,000 miles <laughs> to get your pl spark plugs straight. But many times we fall in that second category where we need, we need to kind of be strengthened in that area and maybe pray more effectively. Martin Luther, who you've heard his name, said this, to be a Christian without praying is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Profound words. Is praying this serious to you? It ought to be. The Apostle Paul made praying a very high priority. And you can read his letters and all interspersed in his letters is him saying that he's praying. We see this in the passage I read to you before. Uh, he's appealing to people to pray for him. So the Apostle Paul made praying a high priority. And I'm going to admonish and encourage you to make it a high priority. His deep concern for the Thessalonians is seen from these words, which are in the form of, use the term, a prayer wish. The very deep thoughts of the heart of the Apostle Paul are revealed as he longs to remain in harmony with God's will, and he desired the same for Thessalonian believers. So we're going to focus our attention upon this thought, choose to pray 
the correct way. All right, so it's not just choose to pray, it's choose to pray the correct way. Verse 11 says this, Now God himself and her Father and the Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. Now you're not going to see the word God's will in there, but you can put that into your outline if you're filling it out. You and I need to learn to pray within the boundary, boundaries of God's will. We should fully acknowledge our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ is actively involved in directing our lives. So we know this passion the Apostle Paul has. He wants to be with them. But he brings into focus, we went, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which speaks of the deity of Jesus Christ. And though they're different personalities, uh, they're separate in personalities, the same God. He's acknowledging something that we have to acknowledge when we're praying. Now, we have to acknowledge that God is the one who should be directing our lives and the lives of others. See, God knows beforehand what our desires are. There's not a word in our mouth, in our tongue, that the Lord does not know. He knows it all ahead of time. And we could just park there and say, since he knows it all ahead of time, there's no need for us to pray. Well, you know, the scriptures, he desires us to petition him over and over again. We have these words, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Uh, John speaks about this in 1 John chapter 5, that we are to pray, surrender to the will of God. Surrendered to him. In fact, we have an example of the Lord who is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he wants the cup to be removed from him, but he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When you're thinking about praying the right way, make sure, be certain, that you acknowledge God who is willing to do things maybe in a different way than you you think they should be done. So we allow him to direct our lives, we allow him to guide us, and we should never allow our personal desires to bypass God's design for us. Now I want to park here for a little while, but to say this, that many of us, all of us, have desires that are not always wrong, they're personal desires, and they may be very good, they may be very legitimate, but they are not necessarily in harmony with what God wants. You see, God oftentimes has a better plan for us, and that plan transcends what we want, what we desire. And it's not unusual for our timing to not coincide with his timing, and often it does not. Uh, it, it just doesn't harmonize. God has a different timetable than us. He has a different calendar. And right now, you may have a desire in your heart that's not wrong, but God says this is not the time. He wants you to wait and trust him. The Israelites had a tendency of going ahead of God often. And the Bible says, of course, we go this where they wanted a king ahead of time before God wanted it, and they hired hired or whatever. The elected Saul's king, and that didn't go so well, you know, Bible students, you know that. The psalmist says this, and at one point in time, God gave them their request, 
but brought leanness to their soul. Some very serious words. If you keep praying and it just is all fashioned around what you want, your desire, God might say, okay, okay, and give it to you, and then you're going to have some regrets about it. So this all brings me to this thought. As you're praying, and even though those desires may be right, you need to always keep this in mind that our sovereign God is in charge. He is able to clear the way for us to have our desires met, though there are great obstacles. And certainly there were circumstances that went against the Apostle Paul. There were evil men that did not like him. He alludes to Satan, who, who is the one who is the tempter, the one who's hindered. And do, do you have any idea how long it was where the, before the Apostle Paul was able to get back to the Thessalonians again? And he wanted, he really longed to be with him. Do you know it was approximately five years before he actually got back into Macedonia and was able to make the circuit back to the Thessalonians? Now, he, he didn't want to wait five years. He, he didn't even want to leave to begin with. And if he had an opportunity, he would have gone back. Instead, he had to send Timothy. So his, his desire was very deep, was very real, was very genuine. But he realized it was God who was going to direct his way. And I just want to make sure that you and I both, because I need to hear this, that I can't so get so urgent about what I would like that I forget to surrender it to, to God. So here's the thought as it's found in verse 11. Now God himself... And our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. Can you see that? He just surrenders it. Now, this, the next section, verses 12 and 13, as we're thinking about praying the right way, not just in the boundaries of God's will, but pray unselfishly for others. You see, if we're not careful, if we're not wise about this, we can pray a little bit too selfishly. And James spoke about this. James said, you know, you ask, but you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts, your own desires. Uh, we, we can pray selfishly, but sometimes it may not be a sinful, selfish type of prayer, but the emphasis may be off skilter where the attention is just on what we'd like for us. And it's not wrong to pray. Obviously, we're called upon to be dependent upon the Lord. We're called upon to bring our petitions before him, our personal petitions before him. But we have to move beyond this, not neglecting praying for our own personal needs. We have to move beyond this and make it a pattern of interceding on behalf of others praying on their behalf. And so, as we do this, we should keep in mind that God wants us to pray for others, particularly believers, that they might have a super abundance of love. Notice, let's go back to the passage, verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Now, these are fairly strong words that are used here. Literally, is 
The idea is to increase, that has to do with quantity, and to overflow has to do with quality or an intenseness. And both of these are supposed to be in our life. Praying for others, praying that they have love one for another. Uh, one of our family members was sharing with us, would you pray uh, that our children, and they have young children, learn to get along with each other. They're having some squabbles there, and we'd rather not have this, and mom and dad don't want squabbles, you know. I've never heard a mom and dad say, I love it when my kids fight like cats and dogs. They just hope they grow out of it. They're praying to grow out of it. Tears come, please, will you just get along? And they bribe them with candy and ice cream, all those kinds of things. That's not the right way to go about doing things. But, you know, every parent wants their children to love each other, to get along, right? You know that. Now, our parenting days have been over for quite a while. But I tell you what, I can remember a few times, more than a few times, where our children were having some squabbles. And my wife had this strategy where one did something wrong to the other. And she would say, what you need to do is you need to go over to your sister and say, I'm sorry. And then give them a hug. They were a little reluctant, but she coaxed them a little bit more and said, you need to do this. And finally, they go over with some measure of hesitation, reach their arms out, and go, I'm sorry. It all occurred within a less than a half a second. And my wife would say, now let's get go back and do this again. And she'd get it kind of where we wanted to be, where there was a true, legitimate, I'm sorry, but let me tell you, that was not easy. Every parent wants their children to get along. And the Apostle Paul is saying, I want you to love each other. I want you not just to love each other, not, and he's talking not talking about the Valentine's type of love, <laughs> okay, not the other person. This is a really selfless type of love, agape love. He says, I want you to increase and overflow in love toward one another. Now, let's just by extension say this. Have you ever prayed this about your fellow, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would love each other intensely, overflow in love? Wouldn't it be wonderful if Every Bible-believing church, and we put in a Bible-believing church, where every believer in the church really expressed a genuine, selfless love toward one another. Would there be such thing as church splits? I think not. So, may I just say, you, as you're thinking about praying the right way, if you've already started that and you have as a pattern, keep it up. If you have not, or maybe in the past you have, don't wait until a problem arises. Always be praying, God help these people to love one another. 
That's correct praying. So here's the Apostle Paul who's saying, we want you to overflow and abound in love. Now, if that happens, then in, in God's family, uh, particularly in, in a church setting, we'll say this, there shouldn't be any fault finding. There shouldn't be a critical spirit. There shouldn't be grudges. There shouldn't be bitterness. There shouldn't be any petty strife. There should be uh, no unforgiveness. There should be no silent treatment of one another. Not if it's the right kind of love. There won't be that way. It won't be that way. Now, toward each other, that includes anybody at all, even from the youngest to the oldest. Would you pray for one another like that? Now notice he says this, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. That's talking about a brother's sister in Christ, Christ. Then he generalizes, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Now it's extended out. It's hard enough sometimes to love a brother in Christ and sisters in Christ, you know, in a selfless type of way. But he says, now I want you to pray for others. Ooh, this could be a big test because, you see, the Thessalonians were under persecution. The persecution didn't just come against the Apostle Paul. There were others. The church was under a great deal of persecution. It was going to even increase. He said, but I want you to love all men. Do you know that Jesus said these words? We have it recorded in the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Yeah. Pray for those who are unbelievers, pray for them and have abundant love. Now, is this always easy? No. Is it easy to pray for enemies? No. We pray that God saves them. I'm not suggesting we pray in precatory prayers that God rains judgment upon them, but we nevertheless need to pray that God would bring salvation to them and not have a bitterness toward them. So, in our prayer life, we ought to be interceding on behalf of others, just like the Apostle Paul was and had this great desire for the Thessalonians that they would increase and overflow in love. And then there's another admonition here, that others would be established in their Christian walk. Notice this, verse 13, to the end or to this purpose, that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. Now, I guess we could say that it's very easy to complain about others' shortcomings and weaknesses and lack of faithfulness. But we should desire in our hearts that people would be established in the truth, in the way of God, not just outwardly conforming. Outwardly conforming. Um, it's not always easy to do this, but we are called upon to pray for others that they would be settled down and established. Paul speaks about this where he says, the Christians, he said, we don't want you to be tossed to and fro. Are there Christians who are tossed to and fro? Yes. Easily deceived. Going the wrong direction. Making wrong decisions. Messing things up. He says, I want 
you Thessalonians to love each other and to be strengthened and established. Not just for numbers sake, it had nothing to do with that, but that they would be blameless. Nothing in their, that they would have nothing in their lives that actually would be considered as evil. Blameless. Daniel happens to be an example of that as he was criticized by the evil men around about him. The Bible talks about being blameless. Um, does it bother you when you hear of a Christian who has such a poor testimony that it's just an obstacle and every once in a while you interact with somebody and they say, well, I know somebody, they claim to be a Christian, but they did this. And how does that make you feel? It, feels, you know, it makes me feel kind of sick, like, wow. Now, I've been on the other side where a person says, oh, you know, and here I'm a Christian. Oh, so-and-so, I know them, yeah, okay. Yeah, they're, they're wonderful people, you know, and they have good testimony. And the Apostle Paul said this, he says, basically, this is my deep desire in my heart that you would overflow in love and that you'll be established in such a way that you're blameless. The word is not sinless because we know that even believers do sin, okay? But the idea is they are living a life rightly, correctly, trying to do the best they can. Notice this, praying that they would be holy. Now, I understand there's a huge push for we want, we want to be happy. But he doesn't say, I'm praying that you should be happy. By the way, God's kind of happiness comes by learning to be holy. And I do encourage parents, don't be always talking, are you happy? Are you happy? Are you happy? Maybe you should say this, are you holy? Are you holy? Are you holy? And uh, they're going to say, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, God wants his people to be holy. That idea means separate from sin and dedicated to God. Think about this a little bit. In your prayer life, when you pray, do you pray for others? Yeah, you yourself be blameless and be holy. But do you pray for others that they would be holy and blameless? You say, I'm praying for my children. Yeah, my grandchildren. That's great. But pray for other believers that they would be holy. Pray so that believers would grow right up to the coming of the Lord. And that's what it says. Even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Don't just be self-focused in your prayer life. Be other-focused. While you're asking God to sanctify you and you're trying to do your best, you're interceding on behalf of the people of God. Is there anybody here that doesn't want somebody else to pray for them that they head in this direction? Every once in a while, in fact, probably maybe more than every once in a while, somebody will say something that, like this to me. I'm praying for you, brother. I'm praying for you, pastor. And I love it when I hear that. If it comes from somebody sincere, I love that. That's sweet music in my ear. That really encouraged me. So-and-so is praying for me. And we ought to do that, and from time to time it's appropriate to articulate that in a card, email, or just one-on-one, -on -one, face to face. But genuinely be praying for believers that they would really love one another. 
Now, we live by way of testimony. And, and just, you know, my heart, I love ministry. I do. It's just the people that I don't like. No, I'm just joking. But I, I love ministry. I love trying to help people. And I, I, want, I want each church that I have an opportunity to minister to, I don't want to just look at it as a job. I don't want to look at it like, oh, wow, you're great. You did that. You know. No, that's not it. In my heart, I want every single believer who comes or is associated with Victory Baptist Church to have a genuine love, not just toward me, that's one aspect, but a genuine love one toward another so that it becomes when I'm off this planet or I'm out of the area completely, I have a confidence that the people of Victory Baptist Church love each other. That's what I want to hear. Those people really love each other. They get along with each other. They express their love to each other. Now, using this as an example, I want to tell you as best as I can, from the bottom of my heart, I love each one of you. I hope you believe that. I have, I'm not ashamed to say that. Some of you are maybe easier to love than others. That's all right, I'm going to love you anyway. You, know, you have children sometimes, one's easier to love than the other, but you love them anyway. I can say that and mean it from my heart. I have no problem saying that publicly. Could you say that to me? Could you say that, my wife who helps me, obviously, could you say that to your fellow believer? You should be able to say that, and again, don't get all mushy about it. That's not my point. Yeah, I love you, I love you, you know. Really? Show it by your action, that's more important. And we'll talk about Valentine's Day, I have to be careful how I say this, but there have been times when I said, this isn't, I love you. Well, I don't, I don't see it. You know, I like to see, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Now, she has other ways of saying this, which I won't reveal to you, but you understand. She doesn't want me just to say, Valentine's Day, I have a nice card for you, I love you. Which I do have a nice card for her. I didn't show her. It's a really nice card. But I'll tell you what, she wants a whole lot more than a nice card. She wants about $500 in that card. Sorry, Susan, you're not going to get $500. I bought you a ring last year, and that's the last one. We'll get you another one in the Millennial Kingdom. But you know the genuineness needs to be there. We should, by our actions, show it, but also be praying for one another, that we love each other. Don't you think that's in line with Scripture? Think about Jesus. Did he talk about the disciples that they were supposed to love each other? He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. It's not just in name only. Through the thick and thin. So you disagree. So you'll see things from a different side of the fence. You still love each other. And we pray that all believers have that same kind of love.
By the way, we mentioned about the Apostle Paul. He refers to it frequently. Go to Peter. Peter says, have fervent love among yourselves. Go to John later on, 1 John. It's like a theme that just runs through. If you say you love God and you don't love your brother, you're a liar. And he's pretty strong about that. And he keeps talking about loving our brother, loving each other, loving each other. So would you say it's in harmony with Scripture that we as believers are supposed to love each other? Now, please understand some of these anecdotes I bring to you just to try to help understand. There have been people who I've known who I believe are genuine believers. I've ministered to them sometimes for a number of years, worked through some trials with them, prayed for them, and I honestly cannot recollect any time that they ever said, I love you, Pastor. Never received a card or anything like that. It doesn't mean they're disrespectful to me. It doesn't mean, but I'm thinking, something's not right there. And I'm not doing it so that I get something back in return. That's not it. And, you know, they say pastors, they have to, have a height of a hippopotamus, and that's a pretty tough high. You, you don't take things, per, but you know there should be something where we are telling each other we love each other. This sounds really kind of strange in a way. I say this, but you know the scriptures talk about greeting one another with a holy kiss. So I'm not into that kissing thing. Don't 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 go there, please. But there was something about the kissing part, and it wasn't like maybe we think you know husband wife type you know, kiss or something like that. But there was a sign of affection. I think one of the things that my wife and I really, really miss, and she'll, I know she'll agree with me, and that is the believers that we interacted with in France, uh, they had greetings like were so, in my estimation, not just cultural, but in line with the Bible, because a lot of the people in the world didn't do this. There was a consideration of like going up and saying they loved you, they were praying for you. Some of them would greet and kiss, you know, on either, either cheek and stuff like that, which was very discreet. Uh, some of them would be comfortable with a shake of a hand. But there was something about it that was not fake. It was genuine. And you went in a church situation and many of the churches were rather small, similar to kind of like here, size-wise. And it's like you didn't go into the church without greeting every single person. In fact, when you left, you said goodbye to every single person. Now, again, that sounds a little extreme, maybe in some circles, in some ways. And we realize the large church can't. I'm just saying, there needs to be some kind of movement toward Showing people we love each other. And I pray that that would happen at Victory Baptist Church or increase where it's already existing. How do you pray for others? Um, let's go back to the illustration. Is your prayer life like a smooth riding engine? Really smooth? Because you've been praying the right way, unselfishly, surrendering everything to God? 
Was your prayer life like that automobile where, you know, it goes, it goes from point A to point B, gets you there, but man, it's jerking again. What do, is that your, like your prayer life? Could there be somebody here? You're blowing out some blue smoke. You need an engine of all. Your prayer life is pretty miserable. I know not where you're at. God's Holy Spirit ministers to your heart. And I'm going to encourage you as we come to the conclusion of this and we pray that you say, God, I want to prepare life. It's something you're pleased with. I'm going to pray, surrendering everything over to your will. I'm going to pray for our fellow believers that they would love and increase in love and be established, not tossed to and fro, grounded in the scriptures. That's the direction I want to go. Would you surrender yourself in this area? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, every one of us can make improvements. There's no question about it. But perhaps there's some here that need to make some major changes and perhaps some adjustments, Lord. They've been weak or failed you. I pray that they would, right now, surrender this to you, purpose and resolve, to pray correctly, to pray in such a way you'd be pleased with. We think of the disciples who implored the Lord and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And we ask that as well. Teach us to pray. Pray the right way. And now as our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, you're here today, and this is not to embarrass any of you, but you, you say, uh, my prayer life, I need to make some positive changes, the right kind of changes, the right kind of praying. And I need to make sure I'm surrendering to the will of God, my desires, I want them to get ahead of God. And I'm wanting to pray effectively, as best I possibly can, so others would increase in love. I want to, but others would as well, and be established in the truth. Whatever God spoke in your heart, you know in your heart you need to make some changes, and you're willing to surrender this back to the Lord. I'll not call your name out or embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. Would you simply put your hand up and put it back down again and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to be surrendered back to the Lord in this particular area, so the prayer life is pleasing to you. In these moments, would you raise your hand and say, yes, pastor, this is me, and I want you to pray for me. Okay, see that hand? See that hand. Thank you for honesty. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I implore you, come to him. Put your trust completely in him. Call upon him, and he will save you, give you eternal life, and you'll be ready to go to heaven. Lord, for these who raise their hands and they, they have a need, Lord, and I pray that you would, Lord, in these quietness, in these moments, surrender back to you, Lord. Uh, what that need is, you know, Lord, and may they resolve in their heart to pray you the way you want, want them to. Help us, Lord, uh, to just be sensitive about you, knowing how much we need to depend upon you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you take your hymnals, please, and closing our service, form a part of our service now. Um, and if you'll turn, please, to 521.
And we're going to sing just the first verse of this hymn, Channels Only, in a way, it's a praise to God. I, how I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love laid hold of me. Thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me, that I might thy channel be channels only. Blessed Master. Let's stand as we sing, please. 521, we'll sing just the first verse. How I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love flowed of me, that saved and cleansed and filled me, that I might thy channel be, channels only, blessed Master, but with all the wondrous power, flowing through us, thou canst use us, Every day and every hour. Just a couple moments uh, before we dismiss. Uh, we're trying to work through our membership list, those who are formerly members of Victory Baptist Church. Uh, we have some records that are not complete or not uh, the way we'd like to have it, so we're working on getting some forms. And if you're already a member, uh, we're going to have you probably complete another form just so we have that in the file. We'll get that to you soon, perhaps even as soon as next week. Now, if you are not a, an official member of Victory Baptist Church, but you're interested in becoming a member, please talk to me about that. We'll set up time. We'll talk through things. We'll get you our constitution you can read through. But I don't want to lose sight of that. There's possibly somebody here who hasn't been baptized scripturally. We are Victory Baptist Church, okay? And we do believe in baptism by immersion, not for salvation, but a testament of the Lord. We have a baptismal pulp here who's crying out for somebody to get baptized. Okay. So if you are interested in getting baptized uh, and become a member of the church, or uh, we'll talk about those things, please don't hesitate to talk to me about this, and we'd be glad to uh, be able to try to answer your questions. Um, there's still some books back in the back, which we're going to leave those out today and next week, and then we're going to take them all away and donate them someplace. So you want to go through there. If you want to take some more books, and there's some empty boxes there, you can take a box of books if you want to, okay? Uh, in a couple weeks, not next week, but the following, the last Sunday of the month, we'll have a fellowship meal again. We had, it went very well last time, so we're going to have that. So keep that in mind. We'd like you to join us for that. You get a chance to get to know each other a little bit more. Um, and then we miss celebrating somebody's special day that occurred this past week. And I think anybody who, anybody who reaches a milestone of getting into the 90s we should sing a happy birthday to them, don't you think? Now, if you're 42 years old or 27 years old, maybe we won't sing happy birthday to you. But Clara had a birthday, and she turned 90, 93 years old. Wow. She loves the Lord, part of Victory Baptist Church. So don't you think we should sing happy birthday to her? We're going to, whether you want us to or not, we're going to sing happy birthday to you. 
thank you for telling us you were 93. They say that people go through eight, you know, different you know, uh, stages, and, but when you reach that age, it's worthwhile bragging about, okay? Yeah, give glory to God for it. We're not going to ask you your weight. We don't do that. But we are going to celebrate by giving you a happy birthday. What day was your birthday? On the 8th. February 8th. Well, all right, let's sing happy birthday. Can you do this? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Clara. Happy birthday to you. We love you. Are you are you shooting for 100 or 110 or 120? <laughs> By God's grace. You're, that's what I get. Ready to go. Amen. That's, that's the way we're ready. We never know when that's going to be. Rejoice in the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to have the Lord? My. I don't want to hear more bad news. So if you have bad news, don't share it with me. No, if you have a prayer request, don't hesitate to do that, all right? And mix around. You see somebody that you don't know, you haven't met before, put into practice God's word and go up and, I was going to say give them a holy kiss, but whatever, make the decision, but at least show them that you care about them and love them, okay? Lord, we love you and thank you for saving us. My, we're so privileged. You love every single person here. And you love us in a special way as we become your children. Lord, how can we love you back in return uh, to, in any way? We, we, we try to our best, but we pray that we would genuinely love you with all our heart and soul and mind and love one another. Be with these dear people through the heartaches and troubles and problems in this world. May they rest in you. Think of the verses Isaiah said, that will keep them in perfect peace as mine is stayed on thee. Trusting the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. May you be our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week.